0: thanks all for sharing your story. That's just so encouraging hearing what God's doing. Uh, so appreciate you getting to share a little bit of that with us. Welcome back. This is awesome. I've been looking forward to being with you all. Glad to be here at 180. Yeah, for many of you, welcome back. Hope your breaks went well and that you're excited to be back together as a crew community. You've been here maybe the past semester, the past few years. then there might be some of you that are here for the first time. Maybe you saw some chalk the other day or you met with someone involved with a crew and this is your first time here. Well, welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And as Carson mentioned, we hope this is a place where you can feel comfortable to grow in your relationship with God, to learn more about who Jesus is and to be able to do it in a community like this. So thanks for taking a step of faith to be with us tonight. Well, it was fun hearing, you know, over break, all of us get to celebrate Christmas. It would be fun to hear what some of your favorite gifts were. Some of you traveled, like to Slovakia. Some of you went to Winter Conference. All sorts of good things. I know some of my highlights were getting to spend time with family, getting to be at Winter Conference, being with you, but then also got to see a lot of friends from the summer, from Summer Mission for some Summer Mission reunion, which was great. Uh, one of the highlights, though, I wanted to share for my daughter, Madeline, is she loves dogs. And we don't have a dog. I don't know if we'll ever get a dog. But she loves dogs. And it happened that over winter break, she got to dog sit. She's 11, and she was so ready for it. Some friends were heading out of town for a week. And they actually had more than a dog. They have two dogs and, like, guinea fowl and all sorts of creatures. And so she was entrusted with the responsibility of taking care of of them. And so that meant every day she woke up early to go over there. uh, And every night went over there to take care of them. And it was a lot of work, honestly, for her. I think it was, felt like a big responsibility because she like, had to feed these animals, right? She had to be, make sure they were healthy. One of the dogs loved to figure out ways to get outside of the fence. So there's one day she came back, my daughter came back, and wife covered in mud because they had, had to chase this dog around that it escaped. But you could see for her it was this sense that she had been entrusted with something. And she wanted to make sure when, the, when our friends came back, the owners of these animals came back, that the animals were healthy, that they'd been taken care of because she had been entrusted with something valuable. And you might, you might have done some of that growing up. You can probably think of some instances where maybe you got to pet sit or babysit, and you felt like, wow, this is a big responsibility I'm being entrusted with. I need to take care of this. Or maybe it was something else. Maybe it was something like in third grade, your friend let you like, take home their valuable Pokemon card, and you like, guarded it with your life because you got to have it. Or maybe it was a friend in middle school shared something really heavy and really important. And it felt like they were kind of giving it to you on a deposit. Like you had to take care of this because because of the sensitivity or the importance, the gravity of it. Well, as we turn and look at the scriptures and what we're going to be doing here at 180 over the next few weeks, we're going to see that God has entrusted us with something. And as hard as it is to believe, it's even more valuable than a dog or a Pokemon card. God has actually entrusted us. He's deposited with us the gospel. The message of who Jesus is and the new life we get to have in Christ. God has given us this message as a deposit. And we're told in Scripture that we are to guard it. We're to guard this deposit. We're to keep it. We're to take care of it that it can be given back to the Lord in a way and passed on to the next generations. So what we're going to be looking at over the, this is going to be one of the longest 180 series we've ever done, so hopefully it goes well. I think you're going to love it, is each week we're going to be diving into the essentials of the gospel and what the gospel entails for us. And each week we're going to take kind of one of these topics and dive into it. The subtitle for our series is going to, be, it's going to be Guarding the Deposit, Doctrine and Devotion. We're going to look at the essentials of our faith. So even on your seat, you kind of see what the next weeks will be. Uh, we're going to be looking at what is Scripture really? Who is God? Who are we as humans? Who is Christ and what has He done? What is salvation and what happens at the very end? And throughout this series, we're going to dive into these essentials, um, and we're going to be willing to kind of go a little bit deeper with them. There might, we might even introduce some, like, theological language, maybe some words or phrases that the church has historically used that you may not be as familiar with, but I think you're going to find your faith really enriched, but I also think you're going to see your personal life, your devotion to the Lord grow as you learn more and more about who He is. I want to show you where this phrase, guarding the deposit, comes from. It's actually from the book of 2 Timothy. So you can even turn there with me. I'm going to read from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 8. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 8. This is Paul writing to Timothy, who's a young pastor. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of, our, because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of the sound words that you've heard from me and the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. So here, Paul's laid out the gospel that's been given to Timothy, the gospel that Paul has received as he's come to know about Jesus, and now he's passed on to the next generation who is Timothy, who's starting to lead a church. And he says, all these things that are true about God, true about Jesus, and true of your new life in him, guard them, keep them well. And it might bring up the question, why do we need to guard our faith? Why do I need to dive deeper into what I truly believe? And we're going to look at really three reasons why I think us diving in deeper to our faith is incredibly important. Why we need to guard the deposit. And the first reason is this. What we believe really matters. What you and I believe deeply matters. All of our life is actually ordered around our deepest beliefs and values. Every decision we make is shaped by what we believe in the core of who we are. So if that's true of us, we need to know what is actually true of all these things. What is true about Scripture? What is true about God? What is true about myself? Pastor Tim Keller, he says any area of our life where we're going astray from God, any area of sin or any area of weakness, at its root is actually a, fi- a false doctrine, a false belief about one of these things. Which I think actually makes sense. Think about this. if Say you have a deep fear of the future. You might just think that's a product of your circumstances or your stage of life or some upcoming events. But actually, deeper down, there's some sort of mismatch between what you would claim to believe about God and what you actually believe about God. Because fear of the future at its root comes from us not believing some things about God and his nature and his character. It means we've failed to believe that he is powerful and sovereign and that he's good. Right? So at its core, our fear of the future is actually connected to some beliefs about God. Or say you've experienced some cycles of guilt and shame and powerlessness in your life. If you d- dig below the surface, there's actually some false beliefs that are probably underneath it. Some, some lack of some depth about knowing, what has Christ actually done on the cross for me? Do I truly believe I'm forgiven? Do I truly believe I have new power and life in Jesus? Or if you experience even things like some depression and hopelessness, At root, there's some things that you believe falsely about who God has made you. Because if God has made you in his image, that means you're created with dignity and a purpose. And it means there's a lack of kind of belief about what's to come in our future because we're promised an incredibly glorious future with Jesus. And so actually some of our hopelessness, some of our depression comes from us not really knowing or believing at our core these essentials of our faith. And that's why throughout even the books of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, you see some phrases come up, or I'm going to go back to that, you see some phrases come up about us having a sincere faith and a clear conscience. These phrases, there's a lot to them, but it's this sense that I know what I believe. Even in this verse, he said, I'm not ashamed because I know whom I believed." There's a confidence that if you push on my faith, it doesn't crumble because I've dove deep. I've set the foundations deeper and I've wrestled with some of the hard questions. So now my faith and my belief uh, influence all of my life in the right kinds of ways. Another reason as we think through what we believe matters. It matters for us personally, but it also matters for us as the bigger people of God. Because us as the people of God, whether you think of individually or as a church or as an organization, we're always just a few steps removed from losing the gospel. There's a pastor who talked about kind of these stages where the gospel, this message about Jesus gets lost when we don't guard the faith well. He says, at, the, at first, the gospel's known and it's accepted, but then the next generation assumes it, and then because that generation assumes it, the next generation confuses the gospel, and the next generation loses the gospel. So what that means is that first generation kind of brings it afresh and says, I need to know what I, what I believe about Christ deeper. I need to explore the essentials of my faith and be able to know where they're at in Scripture and be able to pass them on to others. But the next generation, they've grown up around people, maybe family, maybe friends or their church, where they're like, yeah, I think everyone here is pretty good. They're pretty solid as a Christian. And I just assume I'm pretty good as a Christian, so I'm not going to really ask any of these questions. I don't really need to go deeper because I trust everyone around me is going to do those things. I trust that we're okay. So you just begin to assume things about your faith. The problem is, When you assume some things about your faith, when you're responsible for passing on to the next generation, it actually gets confused. Now some things that first generation always knew were true about Jesus now are wildly mixed up. Now false beliefs about who God is and what Christ has done have snuck in. And then the next generation is just lost. Now no one actually knows who Christ is. I mean, Sadler just mentioned a little bit about Slovakia. Churches on every corner, and yet the gospel not being present. Something like this took place. And actually, the pastor that talks about this, he says the weight of the problem is on the group that assumes. The, the group that doesn't go deeper to understand their faith to be able to pass it on. Because they're the generation that the gospel stops being communicated clearly. So, one, one, are what we believe really matters, both personally and then bigger as the people of God. The second reason we are called to guard the deposit is because, according to the Scriptures, false beliefs are dangerous and infectious. There's a few passages here. It says, uh, in 1 Timothy, it says, "'This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, "'that you may wage the good warfare, "'holding faith and a good conscience.'" By rejecting this, some have made a shipwreck of their faith, among whom are Himenaeus and Alexander. Then there's another verse. It says there, in the next book, it says, their talk will spread like gangrene, among whom are Himenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth. What these passages show us, is that us keeping our faith, just guarding the essentials, is a battle. There are, there are pressures and influences for us to give up our core beliefs. And Paul is so, uh, like, so aware of this that he'll name specific people. In fact, if you open up most books in the New Testament, most of the letters, there's false teachings that are being combated in almost every single letter. Because they don't just mean peripheral things. They realize that there's a danger that's there. In that second verse, it says some of these false beliefs spread like gangrene. False beliefs can creep into a community and actually begin to make it sick. And this is not just, like, opinions. This is not just what kind of music should we listen to or, like, what Bible translation should you read. These are in the essentials. But once false beliefs creep in, they begin to make everything around it sick, which is that that image of the gangrene. And then it personally causes people harm. Here it says that some of these men, they've swerved from the faith, and they end up shipwrecked. It's almost like this picture of someone driving drunk. Like, they're trying to live out their life with the Lord, but they don't know the essentials of their faith. They're swerving all over the road, and the end result's probably going to be a wreck of their faith. And I can think of guys that I've worked with over the years that had that just never wrestled and never went deeper with some of these questions that aren't walking with the Lord anymore. And I think it's because they didn't take time to dive in to to guard their faith. And I think there's a pressure on some of you to do that. I think there's some good things currently where it's like, we don't want to just blindly assume things that have been passed on to us. And I think it's good and healthy for you to kind of ask questions. Why do I believe what I believe? There's a right way to go about asking those questions is actually in a community like this. So one of my challenges throughout these next seven weeks is for you to actually have the confidence to ask some of those questions in your community group or action group that you've always had but but always been afraid to ask. Because this is the kind of place to do it. Because you're actually really seeking answers and believing that there's a good deposit that's there. That if you ask questions, there will actually be good responses but I've seen the opposite too. I've seen some guys that maybe through some, they had some hurt in their church. They saw some pastor go astray or something went wrong, and they're like, something's not right. Like, I saw this person's life not match up with the gospel. I want to investigate it. So they begin asking questions of their faith. But before they even get some answers to their first question, they begin asking more questions and more questions and more questions. And it's like they've torn their entire faith apart. In a way, it's like if my, there's a leak in my house, in my bathroom. I shouldn't just go tearing down walls and ripping apart pipes in my house and tearing down my entire house because there was a leak in my bathroom. Instead, I need to identify what went wrong and how do I fix it. That's what's true of our faith. We don't need to tear it down. We don't need to like tear down our faith to the studs and rebuild it back up. We actually join in a long history of believers who have followed after Christ who have passed on to us this good deposit. There's good answers for our good questions. So what we believe really matters. False beliefs are dangerous and infectious. And the third thing I'd say is that actually our doctrine, what we believe, and our devotion, how we follow Christ, are deeply intertwined. One of my favorite passages is in the book of Romans. Um, And it just says this. It says, "I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect." We can spend a whole kind of time here at 180 looking at this passage, but I want you to notice quickly two things. Our lives are lived on the altar to God. It's our spiritual form of worship. It's our devotion to him. You see it in there, verse one, we live as a, we are a living sacrifice. But then in verse the first two, you see it's by the transformation of our mind. That as we have our minds transformed by the truths of what God's communicated to us, we become better living sacrifices, more deeply devoted to the Lord. But also as we become more devoted to the Lord, he opens our eyes to more deeply know him. It's really a cycle, a pattern like this. As we dive into the truths of scripture, we become more like Jesus, more committed to him, more deeply worshiping him. But as we worship, God kind of clarifies our heart and mind that we may see him more. And so when we dive into these things over the next seven weeks, they're not just list of things to believe. It's actually us getting to personally know the God in the universe. This is about a relationship. This is about us knowing more the God whom we devoted our lives to. And as we know more about someone in real life, like here next to you, you become more deeply fond of them, more deeper friends, you love them more. So it's true in our relationship with God as we dive into these topics over the next six weeks. We actually get to know more about the God who's rescued us in Christ. So my challenges to you tonight are just, one, thinking about are there some weaknesses or areas of sin in your life and how are those maybe connected to some false beliefs? can you begin identifying those? Two, are there some questions that you've wrestled with that you've not brought up? Begin writing those down and bringing those up with your community group leader or someone here in the room that you know. And then three, start to commit. Say, Lord, I want to go deeper in knowing you over these next six weeks. Help me to guard the good deposit. So let me pray for us. Lord, thanks for tonight. Thank you for getting to hear incredible stories of you at work. And we pray that as we engage over the next, next few weeks, that you would refine our hearts, that we know you better, that we dive in deeper to our faith, um, that we engage with some hard questions and Lord, come away with a greater foundation to be able to love you and serve you for the rest of our lives. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thanks to our listeners for tuning in to this episode of the 180 Podcast, a production of Crew in Southeast Ohio. If you enjoyed this episode, please give it a like, a share, or leave an encouraging comment, and that will go a long way toward helping others hear about the podcast. The podcast isn't the only thing that we do. Whether you're a student living on campus or if you're still at home studying virtually, we'd encourage you to check us out on social media to hear more about what's going on. You can follow us on Instagram at crew at OU, or to learn more about who we are and what we do, head over to our website, crew at OU.org. We'd encourage you if you visit the site to complete our involvement form to get more connected to all the things that are happening. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to seeing you next Thursday for another episode of the 180 Podcast.